the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KNEW presents... New Focus on Wealth with Certified Financial Planner, Chad Burton, drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you have a money question for the show, just shoot me an email. Just go to chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Bunch of downloadables there. One of them is 15 things to do before you hire a financial advisor, which we're actually going to talk about today. So I've been in the business. Let's see. It'll be about 15 days away. It'll be 29 years that I've been doing this. I started at a very young age. Age of 19 with my grandfather and um, focus on wealth management and retirement planning. But today I'm going to do a little bit more for the beginning investors. But first, I want to start with your weekly stock market update. And this is as of market close on July 27th, even though it's 28th as I'm doing the show. It's it's early, 6.07 in the morning and uh, market hasn't opened yet. And then we got a Fed decision day coming up here. So it, it's interesting though, because if we think back about a little less than a month ago and a little over a month ago, mid-June, just when you thought the news couldn't get any worse between inflation and Russia, and continued COVID issues, both stocks and bonds have rallied since mid-June. Stocks up about 7% and bonds up about 2.9%. So, (laughs) I mean, this is that's a short period of time for a 7% increase. So those that got out when the news was bad, please let this be another lesson that you just cannot time stocks in and out on a constant basis. You got to buy quality. You got to rebalance minimum annually. I'm not saying stick with losers and put your head in the sand and don't think about what you're owning. But trying to go all in and all out is a fool's game. The VIX, which is a measure of, it's kind of a fear gauge in the market, is down 29%. So it's sitting at 23 right now. So what we have so far is, um, oh, I don't know. It's only about 30% of the companies reporting the SP 500 so far. A forward 12-month P/E ratio with this increase in the S&P 500 has gone from 15.8 to 16.7. So it's price-to-earnings ratio. The P/E ratio is below the five-year average of 18.6, according to FactSet Earnings Insight, and, and below the 10-year average of 17. And uh, you know, typically, you you are in the 12 to 14 range in a decent recession. Um, year to date. The numbers are not pretty still. It's still been one of the toughest years for a balanced portfolio investor since 2008 because 
even though in 2008, when stocks were way down, at least you had the cushioning from bonds and a few other assets that went up to help soften the blow. But this year, you have stocks down or bonds down about 8.86%. If you look at AGG, which is an ETF that follows the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index, S&P 500 is down about uh, 17%, including dividends, EFA, EFA. International Developed is down 18.12%. Emerging markets um, you know, went from outperforming the U.S. to underperforming down 18.95% for the year. If you look at EM, EEM and IWM, which is an ETF that tracks the Russell 2000 small and mid-cap, is down 19%. And QQQ, this large-cap tech-heavy index, the NASDAQ, represented by a simple QQQ, which is an ETF, is down 25.78%. To overall rough year, but the last couple of weeks made it a little less rough. So everybody's still looking at recessionary signs, right? Strategis, which is a uh, company we use for just you know, overall macro look at the world and economy and asset allocation and things like that, uh, still pra- places this as a 50% chance of recession, a 40% chance of a softish landing, and 10% chance of upside, uh, you know, pleasant upside. Um, potential in the economy. Now, I get it. I mean, to, to say this isn't already a recession for, for you know, families that have middle class to lower is ridiculous. I mean, I just heard a, a story that school supplies were up 27%. 27%. And it's like, which is terrible because some of the charities that involved with or what we even did as uh, a company at New Focus prior to uh, being acquired by EP Wealth. A lot of what we did was golf tournaments and movies, rental facilities where we'd get everybody to bring, you know, stuffed backpack for kids. And now I'm just going, oh my gosh, and we haven't gotten those things going again post COVID. And this is the time when they can really use it. And as a kid growing up, you know, single mom, two kids, a little bit of child support, not much. Um, you know, we were broke, constantly living to paycheck to paycheck. So I had a job since I was nine years old, delivering papers and and working in a restaurant, and then and then basically this. Um, so I, I I remember those days very very well, and trust me, I talked to my kids about it too because they didn't they didn't live like that. They got lucky, but some families are just really hurting right now as they go to fill up their gas tanks and then try to figure out, okay, am I only eating two meals today then? And now school supplies and things like that. Some of the, if we look at some of the other issues out there that um, are starting to show these recessionary signs, single unit housing permits um, on the decline. Some of that is just being on hold because the supply chain in terms of like windows and doors and stuff like that is still a bit of a wreck. I am not too worried about real estate in general. If we look at um, whether it's apartments or um, warehouses or industrial or, or um, data storage and things like that, it, it's actually pretty positive out there. If you look in Vancouver, off Washington, where one of our offices are, there's like zero warehouse space available and, and not enough starts. Um, but because of jumping mortgages and, and the supply chain, single unit housing permits down. Um, inventory's way up. I've heard that there's been more price declines in the Bay Area on real estate in the last three months than in the last three years um, in terms of st- stuff for sale. Um, 
non-defense capital goods, um, ex aircraft orders are on a bit of a decline, but your aircraft orders way up. Consumer expectation sentiment readings are down by the University of Michigan. Weekly initial jobless claims up slightly. ISM orders are below 50. The, in, the twos over 10 bonds yield curve is, is inverted still. And the credit spreads, and how much are you getting paid on BAA credit is increasing and financial conditions are tightening a bit. Now, this all makes sense because we have so much stimulus pumped into the economy that causes inflation through the PPP loans. It's a huge cause of this. So good job, government. You basically gave out a bunch of free money to people that didn't end up, uh, you know, necessarily needing it, caused some inflation, and now it's you know payback time. Um, and so there's a decline in that money, and, and that's okay. The supply chain issues is the concern. I think we're going to see continued layoffs in the areas where we have um, uh, smaller companies that sell product, because like I mentioned in the last show, a lot of these contracts are using force majeure, which are these bigger companies saying, you know what, we're going to use this pandemic and a war, which are considered acts of God to get out of contracts with people that we don't want to do business anymore. And we're going to stick with our larger, more profitable companies. So while I really, really love small and mid cap is investing, especially after a decline like this, there are going to be some tough times for some of those companies in that area. They don't get swallowed up and purchased by others. Um, and, and look, <laughs> With with all this, with the news coming, and you're gonna, I think news is going to get worse before it gets better in terms of layoffs and things like that. However, inflation is already coming down. School supplies are up 27. percent We're probably sitting close to peak inflation at this point because commodities indexes are coming down. So most commodities down 16 to 20 percent last month or so, like oil and and things like that. So, I mean, the next six months poses a really good time to average cash in if you're sitting on the sidelines. And for those that are invested, it's just a matter of paying attention to quality and making sure you're not too overweight in the larger high PE ratio stuff that when it shows a you know decline in revenue growth to support PE ratios north of 26, that's the stuff that's going to get whacked. But there's a lot of good things to invest in out there. And uh, so stay invested in quality and keep investing if you have cash. And I get a lot of questions, especially from, you know, let's say people I went to high school with that, um, that asked me questions regarding social media. Um, and the other day, for example, somebody said, hey, I need, I, I heard you're a financial advisor. I need some help with um, budgeting and increasing my credit score. And that's something that that's not my specialty. I don't know. It's it's. I help people create budgets and track their spending in retirement and think about the things that they're not thinking about. Okay, if you retire and you're not working forty to sixty hours a week, what are you going to do? What is that going to cost? What about gifting? What about children? Upcoming weddings, Medicare costs that you're not thinking about. The average copays in retirement, Irma. That's a you know higher Medicare premium premium for high income earners in retirement, all of those things that, that go into the idea of I've created enough savings to live off of it for the rest of my life. But going all the way back to square one and starting over and saying, okay, how do I get that to that point to even be able to consider retirement? If you go to chadbert.com, there's a, towards the bottom, there's a downloadable section. And one of them is 15 things to do before you 
have, you need to hire a financial advisor. I always say that, you know, your first 250 to $500,000, there's so many tools out there that you should be able to do this yourself because especially the amount of money that you can put into a 401k or Roth 401k these days at your employer. So step number one is track your spending and implement a budget. There are so many apps out there. I mean, most people are familiar with quickitandmint.com, but there's a lot of budgeting apps that you can download to start tracking what you spend. And it's sometimes a bit of an eye-opener. There's even apps out there now that will uh, essentially tell you where you're paying double for different streaming services, for example. So I realized that at one point I had added uh, Paramount to my, I think it was an Amazon account and to my Apple TV account. And I'm like paying Paramount an extra $9.99 a month or something like that. I can't remember what we were, what series we were watching on that, but little things like that that make a huge difference, especially when people are trying to save, but yet it's also a, a paycheck to paycheck situation for most families that are trying to put food on the table and, and gas in their car right now. You, so that, that's step number one is you have to track your spending and implement a budget. Um, though I do not like uh, when he gets into the world of investment advice in terms of, oh, and I hate the idea that he tells people to always pay off your mortgage early. But in terms of basic budgeting, some people literally need to put cash in an envelope. And when that envelope is empty, they know they cannot spend any more money on certain items. And so um, yeah, Dave Ramsey is decent at that idea. Until you get to the point of paying off your mortgage early, which I don't agree with in most cases, uh, unless you're you know, well into your 60s. And... Um, uh, it don't the investment advice is a little bit wonky in my opinion, but budgeting good. But there's a lot of apps that you can do this with, right? Also, know your savings goals and invest in yourself. Um, if you look at Fidelity uh, savings goal by age, you should have at least one times your salary saved up in retirement accounts by thirty, three times your salary by forty, and six times your salary by fifty. And basically, by age 67, which is a more normal age of retirement these days, you should have 10 times your salary saved up if you have a hope to retire at the same standard of living and live till you're 100 years old. So most Americans are way behind on that goal, way behind. And it's going to be interesting to see now that as we go through uh, a likely you know, recession of some way, shape, or form, whether it's just a, a mild one to reset after all this PPP loan money and the supply chain issues or a deeper run. You're going to see a lot of, I think, boats, RVs, cars, Can-Ams, you know, ATVs and that kind of stuff just dumped on the market of people that bought them that couldn't afford them. You're already starting to see people have trouble spent, say, uh, uh, paying for their cell phone bill right now. So people are buying these types of toys, brand new cars and things like that before having met their savings goals. If you didn't start saving 10% of your pay in your 20s, you are probably behind the curve. And, um, you know, I like to say that if, you're, if your latte bill is bigger than your Roth IRA contribution each year, you're probably going to be broke in retirement. Um, so waiting to save is the biggest financial mistake that people make. If you're just starting to save in your 30s, you should probably target about 15% of your pay. If you're starting to save in your 40s, you could target 20% of the pay, but that's really tough. A lot of times people are in their 30s and they have kids and then they don't become empty nesters until their mid-50s and that's when they go for the catch-up mode and they really, really have to start saving to catch up. 
And sometimes you just need a good financial plan and a projection to say, okay, what's the reality here? Because I'm 40, I know I need to save 20% of my pay to help hope to retire at 65. That's not going to happen right now with kids going into college and things like that. Um, so here's what I need to do to catch up when I'm in my mid-50s when the kids are gone. And with that said, this is how much I'm willing to help the kids versus what they need to do on their own between working and student loans. Get the idea? So know your savings goals, invest in yourself. People, you know, start saving for their kids' college before their retirement plan is on track. And that's a big mistake. You have to build an emergency reserve too. You have to have at least six months worth of expenses, enough to put food on the table and keep the lights on in the house if something happens. Um, If you tend to switch switch jobs often, like in tech sales or, or, or medical device sales, things like that, where people are jumping jobs, it seems every two years. Or if you're into extreme sports activities like me, wakeboarding, motocross, uh, pretty intense snowboarding or skiing, um, you, you, you typically need a little bit more. Um, guy I know, 48 years old, still hitting the freestyle ramp on a dirt bike, is you know, in the hospital currently and you know, may have some major issues being able to even walk going forward. So you got to build that emergency reserve up and uh, make sure that you can get through a retirement situation or a uh, layoff situation or a short-term disability situation. Now we start talking about savings, right? Now we get into the point of what do I do here in terms of saving money, okay? And this is where it, it, it's fairly easy. You, you start first with your 401k. If you see some of these online ads or Instagram videos, here's how the wealthy people save and don't pay taxes. Those are morons trying to sell you life insurance as an investment and make a big commission. So ignore those idiots. You cannot stand those people. Um, the best f- free money and best investment that you can get is in your 401k if you have an employer match. And younger people that are below 30 and know that they're at their beginning of their working career and the lowest tax bracket they're ever going to be at should concentrate on the Roth 401k. You can put up to $20,500 into your 401k, even more if you're over 50. And then the employer is going to give you some match. So at a minimum, no matter what your situation is, you should put enough money into your 401k to get that match. That's free money. And we'll talk a little bit more about it. And you put enough to get the match, you start working on your debt. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirado Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiradopass.com. You can download this. PDF that I'm going over right now called the 15 things to do before you hire a financial advisor. And we're on number four, which is essentially if there's a match offered by your employer, invest in the 401k to get the match. Invest. You've got to get that free money. If you $1 into the 401k pre-tax, you're only missing you know somewhere between 80, 85 cents out of your paycheck. 
if you're doing if you're doing on the pre tax side. If you're younger, like you know before 35, and 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 knowing that you're at a 12 percent federal bracket or below, that should be going into the Roth side of the 401k. Typically, the employer match goes into the pre-tax side. So building up that tax-free money in a Roth. So that's the difference. If you put the money in the regular side of the 401k, you get a current tax deduction that everything you take out in the future is 100% taxable. If you put the money into the Roth 401k, you, you don't get a current tax deduction, but everything you, grow, you get is tax-free for the rest of your life. The idea is you're starting to save early. You're at a low bracket now. Later on, you'll be making more money and you're saving a lot. You'll be at a tax-free bracket later in, in the future with that Roth money. So after you put enough money into the 401k to get the match and you get to that level, usually most 401k plans match anywhere from 3 to 6% or so. That's the average out there. Um, that's when you start looking at your overall debt. Um, and I don't think you should be paying off your mortgage early like a Dave Ramsey does. I mean, only if you're about ready to go into retirement does that make sense depending on your tax situation in some some cases, not all, but some. But a lot of people really need to focus on getting rid of non-mortgage debt because interest rates are going up, so that debt's gone up. And so you've got your mortgage debt, which is okay, certain types of student debt might be okay, but any other type of debt that you might have, you need to get rid of it. And you have to focus on, okay, is it better to get rid of the, the credit card or the loan that has the highest payment out the door so I can get rid of that one and use that extra cash flow to get rid of the other debt? Or do I pay off the highest yielding one first? Before you rush out and go refinance all your student loans, you've got to make sure that you're not giving up anything. A lot of people are trying to keep a certain amount of student loans, uh, hoping for some you know, government assistance in terms of waiving student loans a certain balance and just paying it off for you. Um, I am not really thinking that's going to happen, and I don't think it's a help for the economy um, because a lot of times that'll you know, help people that already have an education and income in some cases. So I'm not sure that's the best approach. There's a lot of studies and articles on that. So I don't want to get too sidetracked. You got to get rid of non-mortgage debt because as soon as you do, you can take that extra cash flow and stuff even more money into your 401k because you can put up to 20500 a year into your 401k. If you're a teacher or a nurse, you might have a 403b, for example. Number six, assess, improve, and monitor your credit. I'm not going to be a credit guru here. Um, there's a lot of apps where you can kind of keep an eye on it. Just note that as soon as you download some of the free ones, um, you know you're, you're, you might get a lot of uh, extra calls and emails in terms of offering you stuff. So you, just, you do need to keep an eye on it. Um, number seven, uh, and this goes back to your emergency reserve, ensure your biggest asset. What's your biggest asset? Is it your home? No. Your biggest asset is your ability to earn money. It's more likely that people will spend some time being unable to work due to an illness or injury than die at an early age. Everybody wants to rush out and call Big Lou to get life insurance, right? Because it's so dramatic to to think of losing a mom or a dad. Um, But the the more common situation is that people are disabled and cannot work in their income for a period of time. So disability insurance is extremely important. In this age of job shopping, 
people are focusing on the salary offers and not the benefit package offers. You could have a company that's offering you 10 grand less in salary, but 20 grand more in benefits. And you have to think about that. You have to say that, okay, if I'm disabled, I need a tax-free disability income that's going to cover about 60% of my paycheck so that I can afford to continue to have food on the table and my lights on. And then next you go to the life insurance thing. And the life insurance, you know, term insurance is cheap. By term, invest the difference. That's true for 99% of the population. Buy term insurance, invest the difference. Do not buy these cash value policies. You know, the, the only people that should buy those are for wealthy people for estate planning or people that are like in the top 1% of income and they've already got plenty of stocks and real estate and they want something different. So everybody else buy term and invest the difference when you have somebody offer you a life insurance policy that's got this cash value investment or an index and you get potential upside with no downside risk. That is terrible for most people in the, in, in the United States. Tell them to take a hike. The formula is pretty easy. It's typically if you're married and have kids, it's 10 times your annual income plus 100 grand per kid plus all outstanding debt. And just get a good, you know, 15, 20, 30 year level term policy. And then if you have kids, you can get started with your estate planning. At the very minimum, you need a will, an advanced healthcare directive, and a durable power of attorney if you have kids. The will can help you name, you know, if both of you pass away, who's going to handle the kids and who's going to handle kids' money. It doesn't have to be the same people, but there's a lot of online options to be able to get this started. Once you have all those steps done, and you realize, okay, I've put enough money into the 401k to get the three, four, five, six percent match. I've done all these other steps with my emergency reserve and getting rid of bad debt other than mortgages. And I still have, I finally have some money that's left over. Well, consider funding a Roth IRA for you and then even a Roth IRA for your non working spouse if they don't work. You have the ability to do that up to certain income limits. And the Roth IRA, you can invest it in uh, you know, ETFs, exchange-traded funds, mutual funds, things like that. And uh, it'll grow tax-free for the rest of your life. Tax-free for the rest of your life. There's certain income limits and ways to do that. And then once you've done that, you've maxed out a Roth IRA for you and for your spouse, if you're married, and you still have extra money to left over, that's when you go max out that 401k. So you're putting enough into the 401k to get the match. Then you're doing an IRA, a Roth IRA for you, a Roth IRA for your spouse, right? And if you can still afford to save, then that's when you go back to your 401k and get that contribution as high as you can, all the way up to the maximum amount of $20,500. It's an extra $6,500 if you're 50 or older by the end of the year. It's a lot of money to put away. Most Americans cannot afford to do all that. But maybe you're later in life and your kids are you know, finally out of college and that drain is over and um, you're able to do that and get that 401k maxed out. Once you do that, the next step that I'd like you to do, and, and even at some point in this is consider saving outside of retirement accounts, whether that's opening up a Schwab or a Fidelity account and buying index ETFs and systematically contributing 50, 100 bucks a month just to start saving up an after-tax account that you can always access. Um, there's a lot of good apps out there that just create a basic plain vanilla, uh, ETF portfolio like acorns 
uh, which is like three bucks a month. And it makes you, not only can you sign up for a monthly contribution, but you can have it so that if you've linked your cards or your debit cards, it'll automatically force you to save. So if you buy a coffee for $5 and 50 cents, it'll round up to six bucks and invest 50 cents into a uh, ETF portfolio for you. ETF stands for exchange traded fund. It's just a basket of stocks, pretty much the same thing as a mutual fund. Like you see in your 401k, it just trades all day long like stock. So you can check out apps by Acorn and SoFi and, and other places like that, that allow you to, to, you know, open up, accounts and have it automatically invested for you. Um, they're apps. They're also the other name for it is robo advisors. Um, or you can just open up a brokerage account, pick a couple of ETFs and start a systematic savings plan and make sure your dividends are reinvested. Okay. Um, and so if you, if you've done all that, you've maxed out your 401k, you've got the Roth IRAs. And once you've saved about a year's worth of income, outside of retirement accounts, just in a normal brokerage account in your name, joint with your spouse or under a living trust, that's when you start considering accumulating other financial assets. Um, because stocks over time crush real estate in terms of price appreciation. The way that real estate keeps up with stocks or wins, and I've done whole shows on stocks versus real estate before, but I still love real estate, own properties myself, but you have to be financially prepared. You have to have your emergency reserve set up, your savings plan in place, and extra money to deal with people if they you know, stop paying rent or they destroy your home and you've got to fix it back up to rent it again. You have to have your financial base prepared before you get into the world of buying a, a rental property. Let's say you put 30% down and finance the rest and you have enough rental income to pay your payments, pay your property taxes, a property manager, basic maintenance, and then you still have money left over, that means somebody else is paying off that loan for you and buying that asset for you. And that can be very helpful over time and, and very profitable over time. But you've got to be financially prepared. You've got to do these other steps that I'm talking about before you jump into that world. You also want to take a look at all your accounts and, and rebalance your accounts, at least annually. All right. That's, that's something that's easy to do in the 401k. Now, once you've gone to this point and you, you've maxed out that 401k, you've done the Roth IRAs, you've saved some money outside of retirement accounts, now we're going to go back and review what is the mega Roth 401k. How do you save even more into your 401k than the $20,500 limit? One of the things that I was going to talk about today is um, once you've maxed out your 401k, then you do the Roth IRAs, um, then you you know start saving some money in a taxable account. What does that mean? How do you do that? How do you do that as a no-brainer approach? Because some of the best ways that I've seen people save a ton of money over time is just systematic investing. You do that with your 401k, and you can do that in a normal account, a non-retirement account. You can go to Vanguard or T. Rowe Price and look at a mutual fund, right? And so one of the easiest... Mutual funds are... You know, ETFs are starting to replace mutual funds, but mutual funds are still a really good way to systematic invest, say like 50 to 100 bucks a month, where you pick a good S&P 500 index fund or a total stock, at mar stock market index fund and just put in 50 to 100 bucks a month systematic pulled from your paycheck. 
Other ways to do that now, if you want to look at ETFs or exchange-traded funds, are like the Acorns app, um, think places like that. If you want a no-brainer approach to investing where you just put the money in and you know, somebody else kind of makes the decisions for you because you don't have time to do it, Fidelity Go has an option where it's basically free for the first $10,000. It's just invested in Fidelity Mutual Funds. That, you know, There's an underlying cost there. Um, but there's a lot of apps that you can do this for free. The, the problem that I saw with the Robinhood stuff where you can buy stocks and ETFs essentially for free is that people got into investing and started trading. That's not, you know, that, that you get these short pockets of people that are winning at trading and then you get the huge bubble burst like we've seen with these meme stocks. That's not investing. That's, that's gambling. And so you can set up if in your Robinhood apps, your SoFi apps or whatever, where you can buy and, and ETFs and stocks, you can set up automatic monthly contributions. You just have to go in and make the trade. And some people just forget to do that. So it just accumulates as cash. And so if you want to not have to think about investing at all, then you use a robo-advisor like an Acorn app or a Fidelity Go or Schwab Intelligent Portfolio where you pay like an upfront 300 bucks and a certain amount of money per month to access to, to help start building wealth. And you know, that cost can definitely be worth it if you don't have time or you're not disciplined enough to go on and make the purchases. When you get to the point though where you've maxed out your 401k, you're doing the Roth IRAs, you've got some money... Uh, saved up after tax and let's say the kids are out of college and that financial burden is gone and all of a sudden you have more money to save the 401k contribution limit is is $20,500 now that's $6,500 more for those of age 50 and older but let's just talk about for for people that are under 50 Um, if you're able to save a ton of money, most, or not most, many 401k plans now are allowing you to put in, once you max out the deferral portion of $20,500, they are allowing an after-tax contribution on top of that. And then in the plan, that gets converted to the Roth bucket. So the mega Roth 401k is the term. Sometimes you can do this in 403b plans as well. Let's say you're a person that gets, you're able to put in 20500 as a deferral, whether it's in the, the Roth side or the pre-tax side. And then you get a match of $4,000. Well, that's great. That's a really good amount of money that just went into your 401k. That's 24500 But the IRS limit in terms of how much can go into a 401k for people that are under 50 is $61,000 between all sources. That's your deferral a match, a profit sharing, and an after-tax contribution. So if this person that I'm talking about right now, for example, works at Apple and they're putting in $20,500, and Apple might need, because there's there's certain rules on how much can do what, but a company, Microsoft, Cisco, Apple, uh, Intuit, um, a whole bunch of these companies allow this now. You can put in a total can go in of sixty one thousand five hundred. So if this person's putting in twenty thousand five hundred deferral and they're getting a four thousand dollar match, they could actually uh, put in another thirty six thousand five hundred dollars potentially after tax into their four hundred one k through a payroll deduction. And there's no tax; you don't get a tax benefit for doing it. But once it goes into the plan, into the after tax bucket inside the four hundred one k plan it can get converted to the Roth bucket. So we have clients that are putting in 20500 pre-tax 
getting the match pre-tax and then putting in $30,000 in some cases, in this case, 36500 after tax, and that's getting automatically converted into the Roth bucket, which is going to grow tax-free for the rest of their lives. And all of this stuff can be done without having to hire a financial advisor. Some of the stuff that you should do on your own. And where you get to the point where, okay, now I've got a half a million to a million saved up. And now I'm concerned about making mistakes and bigger tax issues and my glide path to retirement to when I change my portfolio, my distribution strategy. When I retire, how much do I pull from my cash versus my retirement accounts versus my Roth IRAs, my real estate? Should I pay off my mortgage? Um, what are the things that I should be doing with estate planning? That's when you really need to hire a financial advisor or wealth manager at that point, you know, north of a half a million. But until then, I think you can use some of these apps, some of these you know, downloadables like I have at chadburton.com to do some of the stuff yourself. Because how do you know that you're getting good help or not if you don't have a little bit of knowledge? a little bit of experience doing this. And it, the, our school system is so broken. By the time a kid gets to high school, they should know what the average rent in the area that they live and how much that they need to earn in order to pay for rent. That you shouldn't be paying more than 30 to 35% of your income on your housing. Kids don't even know that. And so you have to kind of force yourself to learn this stuff on your own because our, our system is broke when it comes to financial education. And once you know a little bit, then you know if you do hire somebody, whether or not you're getting value out of that relationship. I find a lot of people that are paying one and a half, two 2% for a high chart portfolio with no financial planning help. If you're in that situation, you need to give our team a look. Just go to chadburton.com. We got over 80 certified financial planners at EP Wealth and a bunch of analysts and attorneys and CPAs really good team for for wealth advice and retirement planning Just check out chadburton.com thanks for listening please tell a friend about the show you can find me podcast all of it at chadburton.com three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's Dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.